This week's episode of Downsizing is brought to you by Oda-sama, the greatest visionary of our time. Hello and welcome to Downsizing, the show that's bigger than ever. I'm your host, King Shit of Fuck Mountain, Tim Down. We're going to switch things up a little bit uh, this week, folks. Uh, We are going to start off with some anime talk. I know usually it's a little little nightcap to end things off at the end of the podcast, but we're going to start with it uh, this week. Um, because, you know, I've been really hit, been hitting a stride with One Piece and, you know, I I don't want to be the guy that's like just constantly talking about how good One Piece is. I kind of am doing that, but you know, so the way that One Piece will work is there's kind of like these overarching questions uh about like things going on in the story like there's a gap of a hundred years where no one has any record of anything that happened in history um there's you know a lot of like semi-mythological characters where it's like oh this person's like a big fucking deal but you're kind of like you know as you're watching it, you're like but i don't really get why this person was so important like everyone talks about them every they're so significant but we never really find out what they did And then you'll have the kind of isolated arcs where, hey, we go to an island and there's a guy here who's a fucking dick and is like enslaving people or, you know, is with the government or whatever. And they beat him up and they beat all his friends up and then they save the island and then they move on and then other stuff happens, you know. Um, But a lot of the time you'll have like, you know, 80, 100 episodes of them being on the island And then every once in a while, the end of an episode, like five minutes here or there, or a full episode, they'll they'll give you little crumbs about uh, some of the overarching things. And a lot of it's a lot of it is kind of like offhand, Um, like you know, one that happened a little while ago now was you know there's uh, the world government they're in charge of they're tippy top. Except kind of... Anyway, tippy-top. They're like the presidents of the world. And you see them a lot. And you see them, you know, they often, you know, comment about things that are going on in the world. As time goes on, they start commenting more on the main characters. Um, you know, they're like, oh, this guy is really fucking shit up. Oh, we got to do something about him. And then cuts away. And you don't really know much about them. But then something happened. I'm not going to say what. But a character walks into the room and talks to them. And you're like, wait, what the fuck? Like, what do you mean? How, why is he there? Why are they talking to him? Why are they letting him in of all people? He's like super wanted. Why would he be able to talk to them? Like if the Navy saw him, he'd be thrown in fucking jail. They'd do everything they could to fucking kill him. But he's just there in the, the highest. It'd be like if, uh, it'd be like if Lee Harvey Oswald just walked into the Oval Office, <laughs> which is there. And, and then... <laughs> Lyndon Johnson was just like, "Oh, hey, man, what's good?" <laughs> shouldn't he? Shouldn't you like? Shouldn't it be a problem that he's in here? Like, why are you acting like your boys? You know, so stuff like that'll happen. And I'm in a bit of a stretch. It's a flashback portion of One Piece right now, um, and we're getting a lot of big details 
of uh, of some 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 of the bigger things that have going on. A lot of gaps being filled in, um, and it's it's giving me a little bit of stress. And allow me to explain why. So at this point, One Piece has been going since the '90s. Manga has been going since the '90s as well as the anime. So you have almost 30 years of this story being told. Um, 30 years of planning out the story, figuring out how it's going to end, um, developing all these sort of sort of side um, side stories, but there are also kind of main stories, and weaving all the things you know into each other. And, you know, it seems like things that you didn't think were connected at first are connected. <clears throat> and as I've said before, a big part of the reason why I'm so invested in it is the creator has had the same ending in mind from the beginning. So, you know, I've probably said it 20 times on this podcast, but other times, whatever, you know, it's not like The Office where it's supposed to end or Supernatural. Supernatural is supposed to end after season five. That's when they plan to end it. But then they kept it going and kind of added in new stuff, added new characters, new monsters, and so on. And with One Piece, it's the same ending. So he's not stretching it out because he's like, oh, I this is as far as I planned. Now I've got to add more stuff because I want to keep it going. He's adding more stuff in the middle, but the end is unchanged. So I want to see what's going to happen. <clears throat> but like... I don't know. It's kind of like a Game of Thrones thing. I guess with the show, at least. We'll keep it to the show because, you know, George R.R. Martin isn't dead yet. So there's still the likelihood that he'll finish the story and, and, you know, tie up the loose ends and everything. But for One Piece, uh, sorry, for the show, for, for Game of Thrones, like, they did a great job of building suspense and building interest. And, you know, you'd have like a character show up and you're like, wait, who the fuck is this? Or like someone would talk about something and you're like, wait, hold on. This character is this person? But what does that mean? And building it up and building it up. So you're like super invested and in thinking about it and talking about it and trying to figure out what's going to happen. You've got all these theories. And then the show ended and, and a lot of that stuff was just kind of tossed out the window and, and never really properly dealt with. And One Piece isn't over yet. So as much as I'm like getting hyped up and being like, this is a big fucking deal. Like, this is so sick. I can't even, I don't even know what this means. I, but this is big. Like, this is a big revelation. There's a part of me that's like, are you, are you building to something specific or are you just throwing shit in? Cause it's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's a part of it to me is a confidence thing, like the confidence to be able to build up such a, such a, such uh, suspense for it. Cause like the whole show is like about a MacGuffin. We got to get to the one piece. What is it? Right. And you don't really know. No one really knows. And this isn't a spoiler, but you have to get to the last island in, uh, I'm not going to go too into it, but there's like the last point of the sea, of the ocean, whatever. 
it's like the last island. That's where it is. And it's really hard to get to. And it's not really clear at first for a long time why it's so hard to get to or why no one's been able to get to it. But it becomes more clear as time goes on. And as I said, I'm in kind of an extended flashback part at the moment. And it showed the first time that they get to this island. But they don't... Um, they don't show it. They just show like the characters' reactions to it, and they do it in such a way where, <laughs> like, they're so blown away by what it is, they're crying tears of joy, but also just like tears of being overwhelmed, and the idea of being so confident in what it is eventually going to be revealed to be. To have characters literally weeping tears of joy and being like, this is amazing. This was so worth the journey. It's like, man, you've got to have something pretty fucking sweet lined up. (laughs) Because that's exactly the kind of thing that I would feel tempted to do. Like, I feel like I could write a show and just plant seeds of intrigue and just be like, oh, well, this is happening and this is that. And then just hey, at the end of this episode, we're going to have this one guy. We're going to show like this side character that's like around a lot, but not really like not really that involved in the main action. You kind of don't think much of him. We'll just show him like walking out of a doorway and like he looks kind of like disheveled, but like composed. He adjusts himself. He turns he locks the door, puts the key under his shirt, and walks away. You know, boom, What's what the fuck's that? What's going on there? And now you're like, what the fuck's going on with this guy? And then 200 episodes later, I'm still like, I didn't know what the fuck was in that room. I did. I just thought it'd be neat to have a guy come out of a room and just lock it ominously, but I did not think at all about what was going to be in there. You know? So it just makes me sweat. It makes me feel stressed out at the thought of, planning ahead that far. But even if he is doing that, I feel like he's doing a great job. There's a lot of stuff that does pay off and a lot of stuff that you're like, holy fuck, this makes so much sense. But like, did you think of this? Like, this is such a small detail. Did you think of this 30 years ago? Like, at what point did you figure this out? I have so many questions. Questions that I can't ask because I don't think he speaks English. Not to mention he's like, you know, the most, maybe the most successful manga artist of all time. Most financially successful, I would say, probably for sure. And like, I, you know, I don't want to learn too much about him because I feel it's going to shatter the image. Like in my head, he's just this weird guy who likes pirates and all this goofy shit. And he's just, you know, drawing and writing it all and then sending it off to the editor and that's it but for all i know he could have an entire team of writers helping him with it and all he really does is just kind of like oversee and approve the drawings that would bum me out quite a bit honestly but i'm just not gonna i'm not gonna think about that too much i'll wait till the end of till one piece has ended in six years i don't know i think he said a couple years ago that he had enough material to where by like 2024, 2025, uh, the manga would be done, which means the anime will be done, you know, a couple years after that. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what 
the sort of retroactive look at One Piece will be. You know, because it's kind of impossible not to have things spoiled. So if you're just someone starting from the beginning and watching it all the way through, are you just going to be like, oh, that was kind of okay? Or is it going to stand the test of time? Is it going to be like one of Homer's epic poems where it just lasts for a thousand years? And then, you know, today we learn about fucking Agamemnon and Achilles and uh, Sephiroth or whoever else is in the Odyssey or the Iliad. And in a thousand years, it's like, oh, man, what the fuck is Luffy doing? I don't get it. Is this Zoro guy? Is it like the other Zoro guy or or Zolo? <laughs> fucking Zolo. So fucking stupid. Um, yeah, anyway, that's... That's that's kind of my thoughts on it, you know. I I I think I res- have a lot of respect for, um, you know, works that are not afraid to swing for the fences as far as building up hype. Um, and so far, in my enjoyment of One Piece, it has done a tremendous job of paying off for me. So yet again, I'm not recommending that you start One Piece. Um, watching One Piece is a little bit like rehab, where it only really takes if you already wanted to do it if someone makes you do it it's not gonna last you'll make it 30 episodes days days if it's the rehab and then you'll just go do something else right i'm just not sure what i'm gonna do with myself once i've caught up because for two years now i've been trying to catch up to one piece now granted if i didn't take a break to watch all of bleach and a lot of naruto I probably would be caught up. I actually definitely would be caught up by now and would have been for. I mean, I watched, I don't know how many episodes of Bleach there are. I think there's at least two, there's at least 200, maybe 300. And then I watched another at least 100 episodes of Naruto. So I'm only like 100 behind One Piece. So I would have been, beginning of this year, I probably would have been fine. (laughs) But listen, it was necessary. And it was just in time because I got to catch up on Bleach. Uh, which, you know, has also been paying off, but in a much less, um, in a much less, you know, it's a much more surface level way. Bleach is kind of like pro wrestling and One Piece is kind of like a really good book. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to stop talking about anime now. Um, because I feel like that's enough. I, I feel like I've I've gone on enough, and to be quite honest, I'm probably going to have some more revelations this week that I'm going to be like, man, i got to talk about fucking One Piece again, except nobody. <laughs> nobody is even close to caught up to... I mean, I feel like everyone I talk to about One Piece is either completely caught up or has no interest in watching it. So, you know, anyway, listen, let's move on. Um I was also thinking this week about how I think particularly with TikTok, like this definitely was a thing before, but it's been made much more, I guess, specific and endemic with TikTok. There's like a guy for everything. Like there's, I keep stumbling across these people where 
it's just a guy who's an expert in something so specific, but like has been for 20 years, you know? Like there's a burger guy. There's a guy whose whole thing is burgers. He's a burger scholar. And I'm not trying to, I'm not, whatever I say uh, over the course of this <laughs> diatribe, I'm not making fun of this guy. I don't think there's anything wrong with him being a burger scholar. I don't think it's ridiculous. I just, there's something about it to me that it's like, of course there's a guy that's like a, it's his whole thing. He knows all the different kinds of burgers. He knows the history. He makes them. He knows the different regional things. You know, I just, I feel like 10 years ago, that guy just would have been a random guy in a random city where you go out to a bar and it's like, oh, don't fucking talk to that guy. That guy is an expert on crocheting. He knows all about it. He's just, if you start talking to him, you will not shut the fuck up about yarn and different kinds of hooks and the different thicknesses of yarn compared to the different sizes of hooks. You're going to lose your fucking mind. But now that guy can just have a TikTok. And be like, what's up, guys? Today we're going to cover the granny stitch. And you're like, fucking what? You're the crochet scholar? You know, like, and I always, it always seems like they have some kind of, like, built-in following, at least for certain things. Like, you know, it'd be like a guy who's like a lawnmower guy. All he cares about is lawnmowers. He, like, push mowers, riding lawnmowers, scythes even, I guess. You know, just knows all about them, has big opinions on them, and, you know, has, like, a weird following of of guys who originally stumbled across them because they're like, how do I fix my fucking, how do I sharpen my lawnmower blades? And they look them up, and it's like, oh, this guy has, like, 30 videos on how to sharpen, like, those specific lawnmower blades for your specific model. And he's got all the stuff, and he's like, hey, guys, today we're covering the, the Toro 720E. This came out in 2015, and we're going to sharpen the blades up. And he's got a little fucking camera on his head so he can use both his hands. And then, like, they get, like, launched into the news somehow or, like, the mainstream. They get launched into the zeitgeist, if I be, if I may be so bold. You know, it'll be that guy will it'll be, like, some thing about, like, John Deere right to repair. And he'll get, like, interviewed on CNN and be like, yeah, I just think it's ridiculous. You know, we got to be able to fix our own things. And it's an overreach on the, the company's part to... It's anti-consumer, and then I, you know, they get reposted that fucking video, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's good to see Jeff getting the recognition he deserves. He's been he's been in the game for longer than anybody." And it's like, "Yeah, Jeff was posting on lawnmower forums in 2001," and you're like, "Who the fuck would be doing that in 2001?" You know, like you know, to me, to me, memes started in like 2008, but then I find. I, you know, as as I, you know, learn more about the history of the internet, obviously, there's memes that came from earlier. There was, you know, the Badger Badger stuff and even, uh, what's it called? The peanut butter jelly banana, which I think the creator that, like, killed somebody. I don't know. There's something dark about that. So, you can look into this little homework for you. You can, you can see what I'm half remembering. <laughs> but it's just weird. That like, here, but oh yeah, people were talking about the the stuff online, and it'll be oh this is a post from two thousand where they're talking about 
cheat codes for Majora's Mask, and you're like, fuck, people were on the internet back then? I didn't get a computer till 2004. Well, a computer that was that I used to access the internet. I think by to the, by the 90s, um, I was playing Dooms on my Doom Dooms. I was playing Dooms. I was playing one Doom game on my dad's work laptop, which I guess was fine. I mean, I guess back then they didn't really have the inclination or resources to check what was going on in your computer because fully he had doom installed on his work laptop and you know do you really want to have to say like hey are you playing doom on a on a on company property and he goes no it's my two and three-year-old sons are are playing doom like isn't it super violent and weird uh yeah it is but so are they so it kind of fits <laughs> damn i kind of just sold my dad up the river a little bit you know, just kind of told on him in front of th- uh, <clears throat> thousands of people. I mean, speaking of dads, I was thinking about this uh, a little bit. Not so much being a dad. I'm just, you know, manifesting my future. And, you know, there's a big part of me that's like, you know, if I made like $100,000 a year, I just would not have a problem for the rest of my life. You know, you have enough to buy a house, have some investments, have some savings. Your biggest worry is like, fuck, I have to redo my driveway. It's going to cost me like four grand. I've got to dip into my 40 grand of savings to pay. For, and I just don't want to do that. That sucks. And it's not like, hey, should I fix my car or should I save some money? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to me, there's an amount of money where I just go, yeah, that, it's just on autopilot now. It's just easy mode. Just put a certain amount of money away. It's something about dividends and investments, whatever the fuck that means. Um, but as much as I, I want to think that's true, I think realistically, in some ways I might be worse off. Like, it, it, There's a part of me that thinks if I had, if I had a house... I would just be constantly in a bad mood. Like I would I would pay someone to reseal my driveway and then you just see me like every day in the morning I just wake up and just from my kitchen window just sit my coffee and look out at it and just be like, I don't know if they did a good job. And then I just go out. My neighbors all see me just crouched, just looking at the edges being like, is there supposed to be a border between the driveway and the lawn? Like, it feels like, should, I, should there be stone here? Should I ask them to put stone? Is that even feasible? Should I not? But what if it, what if they hit a gas line? Is there a gas line? Where the fuck's my gas line? And I'll just be looking and seeing it, like, chip in places and be like, motherfucker, I knew they ripped me off. And then just, like, <laughs> getting so fucking mad that people eat ice cream in my car. Like, hey, this is a 20... 28 i'm looking to the future this is a 2028 subaru forester you don't need fucking ice cream in my 2028 subaru forester okay wheat that outside and then you compost because we're not animals you compost your napkins wash your hands and then we get into the car there's no eating in the car i put like (laughs) 
I'd put like I get those uh, things they have at the bubble tea places to heat seal the plastic on top of the on top of the cup. I'd do that over all the cup holders in the car just so no one can put any drinks in. Go, uh, uh-uh, uh, beverages are for outside. When we're driving in the car, we need to have fed and watered ourselves beforehand. There's no drive-through. I'll have it delivered to 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 the house or wherever we are, so that someone else's car can have the greasy food in it and the liquids. In my car, there's no liquids. In my car, the 70% of water in your body is all the liquid you're allowed in the car. And that's it. And then I just become a nightmare for everybody and just an insane person. <clears throat> so, you know, if, if you know anybody that has like a job that pays like 100 grand a year, 98 to 108, we'll say is the pay range I'm looking for. Uh, but I don't really have to learn new skills uh, or do any more work than I'm currently doing. Um, simultaneously be my own boss and not have a boss as well as um, not have to be in charge of anybody. And just kind of do my own thing. Uh, let me know because I'm very interested in the opportunity and I'm a good interviewer. So I, I put my best foot forward and uh, really convince you that I'm the right man for the job. Uh, so, yeah, keep me in the loop. I'm very interested. Uh, I think we're going to end it there, folks. Um, I mean, as far as working out, I did some, I, I wish I could tell you I didn't work out at all. I wish I could tell you that. And I kind of can, but the reality is I did such a small workout that it's like embarrassing to say that I even did anything at all. Cause I was like, Oh, maybe I've got a long hallway now. Maybe I'll do like lunges up and down just to work the legs a little bit. Maybe I'll do like a lunge lunge and then do a squat just to get just to get the rust off you know i made it from one end of the hallway to the other and then just completely lost interest wasn't even tired just gave up just was emotionally not invested in it so that's uh that's how things are going from a health perspective um eating is kind of back on track i would say so that's good at least uh, I have a wedding in like two weeks, I think, which is a little jarring. Um, so maybe I'll, you know, I've been watching a lot of UFC content recently. Maybe I'll do like a proper weight cut the week before, like cut out carbs and go into a sauna and have, you know, hot towels put all over my body and just drop like, <laughs> oh man, imagine I dropped like fucking 30 pounds. <laughs> before the wedding and then just show up like it's a weigh in and just like flex shirtless and then rehydrate and put on 30 pounds in an afternoon. Oh my God. <laughs> that would be fucking insane. Whew, I might be, I might be doing some research. I mean, I know it's illegal to rehydrate an IV in the UFC, but I'm not in the UFC and USADA is not after me. So there's no fucking rules. <laughs> That's my worst idea for quite some time now. 
Okay, actually, I'm actually actually done this time. Uh, as always, you can send me an email at downsizingpod at gmail.com or send me a friend request on Instagram. Ugh, no, follow me on Instagram at uh, excessively underscore Caucasian. Tune in next week to see if I commit too hard for no reason to doing a, a, <laughs> a weight cut <laughs> for a wedding. <laughs> Going in a super heavyweight, cutting from a super heavyweight down to bantamweight. Fucking crazy. Okay, goodbye.